Hey, uh, so I want to talk to you about something today that uh, is, is really important, and not only just for Christians, you know, in our walk with Christ, but, but it's just as human beings. And so I've, I've titled my, my message today, Always Choose Joy. My iPad doesn't want to stand up here. Hang, hang on. All right, here we go. Uh, and so in our journey today, we're going to go through a little bit of the book of Philippians. Um, and, and this is one of the most beautifully written books in the Bible, in my opinion. And it, and it talks about the Apostle Paul. Anybody know anything about Paul? Paul, not you in the back. You're an awesome guy, but we're going to talk about the other Paul here today. We love you. Uh, so basically, this is, this is Paul planted probably the first missionary-style church in, in Europe. And he has a really deep affection for this church in Philippi, right? And, and he loves this church very much. Uh, and you can read a little bit about his endeavors there uh, in, in Acts uh, 16. You can, you can read about him and Silas and, and the suffering that they went through and being in, locked up in this jail, but also how they were kind of singing and praising God through the whole time. And, and God set them free. Uh, and it's, it's quite an amazing story. So the church that we're going to be referring to here has been around for probably about 10 years at the point that he begins to write this. Uh, and his goal in these letters is to really just help the church mature a little bit more. Uh, and we're going to go through that here as a church together. It's a very important point. Um, he covers in these letters a topic that I think, again, is something that we all need to strive for. Uh, and that's just to have joy no matter what, in all circumstances and everything that you go through, just to, just to maintain joy. Uh, this book is, is really short. It's only about four chapters. You can read it probably in less than 15 minutes. We're going to go through some of it today, but after we go through it, I highly recommend maybe this week to just go back and read it again. And in this very short book, he mentions the word joy or rejoice 16 times. Uh, and so there's a very clear theme uh, that he just wants us to learn how to, how to rejoice. Now, here's the ironic part about all of this. He's writing this book while he's in jail. Again, this isn't the first time that he's been in jail. Uh, and let me just kind of set the stage because I'm using the term jo jail a little bit loosely. It's not by any standards of, of what we know now as jail. And it's obviously not the greatest place in the world to be. But this is in Rome. The jail was like a dungeon. It was underground. There was no lights. It was probably damp, probably smelled horrible down there. Um, and, and on top of all that, he was waiting to be executed potentially. So at any day, he could, he could be pulled out and, and killed. The city of Rome, kind of, again, ironically, is, is a place that Paul's always wanted to go. He always kind of imagined that he would go to this capital of the world, and he would stand up on a stage, and he would preach to just thousands and thousands of people, and he would all help them, you know, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, and it would be all, you know, great and dandy, and, and instead he's captured in Jerusalem, he's, he's brought over to this town called Caesarea, and then he's shipped across uh, to Rome, and, he, and he's put in jail there. So it's not at all what he was expecting. But there, he writes these words, and, and together we're going to go. Let's start off in Philippians verse 3. He says, I thank my God. Now, time out, just for a second here, because if you're sitting in jail, literally, this is the last great show on TV, guys. I just want to bring that up to everybody. If you're sitting in jail in a dungeon... Would thanking God be like the first thing on your mind? No, not me. I mean, I'd be sitting there like writing, help, get me out of here, call my lawyer, you know, save me. Um, he, instead, he's just talking right away. He's talking about how grateful he's, I'm just so grateful. I'm, I'm just so grateful. 
And, and that's the journey that we're going to go on together because too many times in those bad situations, it's just human nature for us to cry about it, to complain about it, to just have a, a bad attitude about it. And we're going to see how we can kind of ov- overcome that here. So what, what I hope that we can come to see together is that you, you got to have joy even when you go through your bad days. And that is very possible. And we're going to see that here in just a second because bad days are inevitable, right? You're just going to have them. Like there's no getting... You can't go without having bad days at some point in your life. And, and the deal is that most of us just, we don't do so good in those days. Does anybody just love going through bad days in this room? No? Yeah, it's the best, right? No, it's, it's not. It's, it it kind of sucks. And I'm not good at it. I, I, I react very badly sometimes when I go through bad days. So maybe all of us can go on this journey today. We can mature a little bit uh, in, this, in this topic. So let's go back to, uh, to the verse here. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. So again, he's just sitting in jail, thinking about how awesome his church is. This would be like me thinking about all you guys up here today. Like, you guys are just so wonderful. I'm sitting in here, you know, chained to this guy. And, and you know, my church is just the greatest thing in the world. Uh, so he continues and he says, in all my prayers, all for you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So here's, here's where it gets good. He says, be confident of this. Like, I'm 100% sure, sure, life point, as he goes on and says, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So what he's saying here is that, like, everything that God has put in your mind, every vision that you've ever had, every dream that you ever had, is going to happen in Jesus' name. But again, this is the guy that literally none of his dreams are coming true at this point. So how can he have that? How can he have that mindset going through the circumstances that he's he's in? And as we go on this journey, you're going to start to see that Paul has something that's better than happiness. He has something called joy, right? And that's the one that we want to go for. Um, We're going to see how to do that here in a little bit. I think the problem is is that our society that we live in really just kind of ingrains in us that we need to be happy, right? You, you hear maybe sometimes when people are having a bad day, they're, they're like, I'm just going to my happy place, you know? And they say things like, you know, there's, a, there's even a movie that's called The Pursuit of Happiness, and they call those little boxed fake food lunches happy meals that we can give to our children sometimes. Um, you know, it's like life is good. I have a great job. I have a great family. The sky's blue outside. Everything's got to be happy. But the problem is, is it just doesn't always work that way, right? And it, it doesn't have to necessarily wreck your life when things don't go the way that you, that you plan. You can have something that supersedes happiness, and that thing is, is called joy. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit, and I just want to help you distinguish, because maybe some of us don't necessarily know the difference between joy and the difference between happiness. So here's, here's one. Happiness is external, right? It, you're happy when the things on the outside of you are going well. You know, your job's going well. Your kids are behaving that day. The weather's really good, so you're in a good mood. I really hope for the sake of what's coming, guys, that weather doesn't determine your happiness because in the next six months, it's going to get really ugly around here. So we need to find a different way to to find our happiness. So on the other side of that, joy is internal, though, right? Joy is, is not based on the conditions of the things that are going around you. You really can have joy in your worst of days, okay? So check this out. And let me just kind of stop right here because out of everybody that, that you know, that you've read about in history, Paul is, is the best guy to bring this message to you. You may be able to say to me, hey, Adam, you don't know me. Like, you don't know what I've gone through. You haven't seen the things that, I, that I've seen. You, you can't possibly say that to me. But 
but I, maybe I can't, but, but Paul can. So um, let's, let's go on here. Let's, let's talk about why he can say that. If you, if you look at 2 Corinthians, it's not up here, but maybe just refer back to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lists all the things that he went through in his life, okay? Five times this guy received the 39 lashes that Jesus got. So five times he was whipped 39 times. Uh, if you carry the one, that's a lot of whips. I'm not going to do the math, but that's a lot, that's a lot to go through. Uh, he was beaten with rods uh, on his legs to prevent him from walking. He was even shipwrecked. So he was out in the sea. He was going along just fine. Then something happened to the boat. It was going under. He was bobbing in the, in the sea for, the Bible says, a, a night and a day, cold and alone. And he had no idea what was going on. Uh, he finally finds his way to some land. He pulls himself up on the land. He's freezing. He goes to make uh, a fire. And out of the wood that he's collecting, the snake pops out and bites him. So this guy just can't catch a break. Um, it goes on, and he says that he was stoned. And I'm not talking like recreationally people here. Like he was literally like rocks were thrown at him, uh, and, it, and it hurts. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it goes on and on and on. And this guy's just had a super rough life. So if we pick up at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, he goes on and says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. So he's saying everything on the outside of me is bad. Uh, my, my health is bad. Maybe my, my, my job is bad. My, my family is falling apart. Uh, everything is, is bad. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So inwardly, he says, we have a different dynamic going on. And, and that's what we have to see. That's what we need to strive for. Your outward dynamic has to be different than what your inward dynamic is going. And, and then vice versa, your inward dynamic has to reflect something different than maybe what your outward dynamic is going on. And, you know, the outward dynamic, I kind of want to explain that. You may have seen this. Um, the, I saw this on, on Facebook a while ago. There's like a, this analogy of a ship being a, in, in the water. This big ship is in this massive body of water, and it can just go in the water, and it's fine. And it's not until water gets into the ship that the ship sinks, right? A, a, until the outward environment gets into the internal environment of that ship, that's when there's problems. So again, if the outward determines our inward, then we have a problem. Um, and let, let's look as it continues here uh, in the verse. He says, for my light and momentary troubles... Okay, wait, he, he's calling them light and moment. I just told you what he went through, and yet he's calling them light and momentary troubles. I would call those hard and long-lasting troubles, right? If, if, if it was us, that's probably what we would call it. But because of what Paul is trying to teach us in all of this, he can actually call it light and momentary. And, and that's my hope for us kind of going forward and, and listening to what I have to say today is that we're able to look at some of the worst things that we're going through and we can just say that those are just light and, and temporary things that we're, we're going to be going, on, going through. So again, he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he's saying that joy outweighs happiness. He's saying, I found something better and that thing is, is joy. Again, he, he goes on to say here, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, again, the external, but we focus on what is unseen, and again, that's the internal, since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Amen? Going good so far, everybody? You following? All right, so let's look at another difference here. So happiness is based on circumstance. And I'm always in awe of the English language at how many things are derived from Latin. And if you can really like break down just about every English word uh, and there's some kind of meaning to it. So if you break down the word happiness, the hat part in Latin actually means circumstance or, or even another definition is luck. Uh, so it's basically 
you're just at the total mercy of what's happening to you, okay? Circumstance, if we break that down, the circum part, again, is, is a circle, and the stance part is your, your standing, where you're standing. So it's basically the place where you, where you dwell. That's, that's what a circumstance is. Uh, so if you ever think about two people, maybe that you know in your life, that are going through something very similar, but they can also have very different reactions to what that is, it's because one of them just decided to step outside of that circle and not let that dictate how they react to what's going on to them. There's a guy that, uh, that I see through work just on a very regular basis, and, and I'm always very upbeat when I see him. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going today? And he's always like, living the dream, man. You know, he's always like that very, like, Eeyore, and I'm like, man, you got to have another dream. That can't be, you know, but, but some people are just going to be in that mindset and they're going to continue to stay in that circle and they're not going to stay out, you know, they're not going to ever step out of it. And, and so joy offers something else, though. If that's what happiness is, joy offers something else. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on your relationship with Christ. He can, he can change your life. When you get into that relationship that you're invited to when you, when you come to know Jesus, that process is going to change your life. And some of us are a little bit maybe newer in our walk. Some of us maybe haven't gotten that far with it yet. But I'm going to tell you about two things that, that you're going to find when you actually do step into that relationship. And one is very supernatural, right? Something just happens to you from the inside. Like, you can't explain it. Uh, people can't put their finger on it. They just know you're different. Uh, it's all something that, that, that God just does inside of you, and people are just kind of shocked to see who you've become. Well, the other thing is natural, right? And, and that's just stuff that you have to learn. God's going to put us through things, and you're just going to have to kind of learn it along the way, right? And it's not always fun. It's not always easy. But that's sort of part of the whole, like, discipleship process that as Christians, that's what we have to kind of go through in our journey. And, and in fact, in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 11, he just lays that out right there for you. He says, for I have learned, he doesn't say, well, I've just known, right? He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So, so like regardless, whatever's going on around me, uh, I've learned some things and in my life and those things that I've learned, uh, they, they can really just help you uh, kind of along with your, with, your, uh, with your situation. So here's the last difference, okay? The, the last difference that I want to outline for you is happiness happens by chance. So here's the bad part about that, guys. It's not up to you, right? You, you don't make that choice. If it's by chance, then that just means whatever comes your way, um, that could determine whether you're happy or whether you're not happy. You, you can just be lucky maybe, you know, if that's a thing. You, it's luck. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's circumstantial. You're having a good day because, you know, I was pulling into the parking lot and somebody just happened to, like, give me the, you know, they were leaving and I got a great spot. Okay, awesome. Joy happens by choice, right? And that's why I titled this message, Always Choose Joy, because you make the conscious decision to, to have joy. You got to be careful here with letting the things that you can't control, control you. Does that make sense? So d basically, don't let the things that you can't control, control your life. That's where you can get into trouble. And, and I can say that probably a lot of us are in that journey right now. And, and that's why maybe we're all here at church. That's why there is a book of, uh, the, you know, the Philippians, because God is trying to help us understand that message a little bit clearer. He wants to show us that there's another way that we can, there is something else out there that we can choose uh, that's not uh, by chance or, or by, by happenstance. Uh, here's a really powerful example I'm going to outline for you. You guys are going to know exactly what I'm talking about by the time that I get to the end of the story. So back in the 19th century, uh, it was around 1871, there was a guy named Horatio Spafford. Okay, he was in Chicago. He was an attorney. He was also an elder at his local church. 
Um, and he went through what I can probably describe as the hardest thing for any parent. Uh, he lost his, his baby boy very early. I think the boy was about two years old. Okay? And at the same time that this happened, those of you who know history, in 1871, there was this massive fire in Chicago. Tons of the city actually burned down. It was very devastating. He was uh, an investor in real estate, so he lost his little boy, uh, and he lost a lot of his investment, his wealth. So he had a buddy of his who was uh, on a missionary trip out in, in Europe, and he said, hey, man, like, look, you need some time off. Uh, you got you to gotta just take a break. Why don't you and the family come out and just hang out with me in England for a little bit, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll just, you just need a break, right? So uh, his family, it was his, him and his wife and his four, four daughters he had. They were getting ready to go. Well, with this whole real estate business thing that he had and the devastation, something came up. So he ended up having to send his wife and his daughters ahead of him, and he had to stay behind in Chicago for a little bit longer. Um, so on the journey, there was a disaster, unfortunately, with the ship. The ship got struck by another vessel, and over 200 people died on that boat, including his four other daughters. Right? So this guy is just, it's just unbelievable the things that are happening to him. His wife uh, manages to make it. She's fine. She sends a telegram, tells him what, go, what happened. He ends up chartering the next boat out, and he's on his way to be with his wife. Well, the captain of this new ship tells him, hey, man, like, we're going to go right over the, the place that, that your daughters are basically now at the, at the bottom of the ocean, and I'm going to be more than happy to, to stop and let you grieve uh, and let you kind of pay your, you know, your respects and, and kind of have a moment. He's like, thank you. So they, they get there, and... Uh, you know, the boat stops, and, and Horatio basically comes to the edge of the boat, and he's, he's looking down into the ocean uh, where he, he knows his daughters are laying, and he, he pens this hymn, and he says, um, he says, when peace like a river attends my way, so basically when life is great, uh, when, when sorrow like seas below roll, so when life isn't so great, whatever my lot, you, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well, not circumstantially, but it is well within my soul. Does anybody recognize that song? Yeah. So, um, so he basically is saying, I'm making a choice that even though this life is just literally right now trying to rip me apart, he, he's like, I think that there's something else inside of, inside of all this, God, that I think that you're trying to show me. And, and let's fast forward, you know, 150 years to today, there's millions of people that know that song and that take a lot of comfort in that song as well. And now that maybe you know the history of that song, I, it's an older song and maybe we overlook it, but I would go back and listen to it knowing what I just told you because it's going to give you a different perspective on what he was talking about. And, and here's the great news today, LifePoint Church. That was a kind of a deep story, but there's great news. That same choice that he made the Bible gives every single one of you that same choice here today, and that's what I hope that we can kind of recognize. The problem is we just can't stop these circumstances from coming at us. I've mentioned that before. Uh, they're just going to happen, and, and it, it's, it's because we just live on this cursed earth, right? We live in these bodies that are going to wither away. We live with war. We live with disease. We live with murder. We live with all these things that just terrify us on a, on, a, on, a, on a different level every single day. It's just all around us. But in the middle of all that, right, you can be in this tornado of all that devastation. There's a choice that you make, and I call that the joy choice. You just make the choice, and you grab onto that joy. And Deuteronomy actually gives us that choice here. If we go to chapter 30, it says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you a choice life point. And here it is, life and death, you can pick one of those. Uh, blessings and curses. Pick one of those. And then it, gets, it ends there and it says, now just choose life. 
Just choose it. Just pick it. Don't even think about it, right? You're going to be in the middle of all that stuff, uh, and you're just going to hold on to this thing, and you're just going to make a decision that an apostle who was bleeding out in a dungeon, right, and and a guy who just lost his family and and, and his entire wealth, they just grabbed onto this choice, and and they're just so grateful, and they're they're full of joy, right? I want that. Does anybody else want that? Does that sound like something you guys want? Yeah, I mean... So, so the next thing that Paul says in, in the chapter that in, in Philippians that we're looking at here is, is a prayer. So as I say this, I want you guys to just receive it, okay? And, and maybe jot this down. You may need to tell yourselves this a little bit. This is in Philippians 1, again, verse 9. It says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So remember earlier I told you that there's two things that are going to happen to you. There's a supernatural thing, and then there's a natural thing. So this is what lays it out. There's things that you're just going to have to learn, the secret to, to getting over some of these things. And then there's just some things that you're just going to have to take you know, supernaturally. And when you combine those two things together, that's what's going to give you this, this thing called joy. And it goes on, and, and the verse goes on, and, and basically this is telling us why. So why do we need these two things? So that you may be able to discern, so, right, so another bad day is coming our, our, our way, and we need, to, we need to be able to discern within that what is best. Uh, you need to be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then it goes on to say, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. All right, so from here, so that we just set the stage, and now we know all about it. So from here, this is where Paul dives into the content. Okay, I, I kind of told you about what joy is, but now we need to figure out, like, how do we get this joy, and, and what's the best way that we can hold on to it? So I'm going to give you three points about joy. So if you're taking notes, please write this down. Uh, it's going to be up here, too. Number one, we need to stop asking ourselves, why? How many times are you guys in a situation and you just start to dwell on the why, right? So this guy Horatio, he could have just sat there and literally endlessly himself died asking God, why did, did, did this happen to him, right? That's the, that's the distraction of, of why. We need to get out of what happened to us and move past that. Um, because, again, you can just get stuck wondering and never find out the why. And, and that's going to keep you locked in that place and that's not a good place to be. The, the answer to the why, though, again, is just the fact that we live in this cursed world. It, it, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, and God never made a promise to us that our walk it was, it was going to be a cakewalk. Like, a lot of times Christians say, or people that maybe that I speak with aren't saved, like, oh, well, you have it super easy. You're, you know, you believe. And you, like, it's not like that. As a matter of fact, God does make a promise to us. And that promise is, you're going to have bad days. It's, it's not great. It's not a, like nobody wants to hear that, but, but that's what it is. And let's look at John 16, verse 33, because it's in there. He says, I have told you these things so that you may have the peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Nobody has that verse tattooed on their body. Like that's not an exciting verse that you want to show off, right? But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. God never promised you that you wouldn't have trouble. But what God pro- did promise you is that in your trouble he would allow you to rise up over that trouble, right? That's, that's the promise of God. And, and that's a rescue mission, right? Paul knew that. Amen. Paul knew that no matter what would happen to him, that, that God always had a solution to rescue him out of that, that potential problem. Let's look at verse 12 in, in Philippians. He goes on to say, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me, so again, all those things that happened to him, 
you know, lashes and beatings and shipwrecks and the stoning and all that stuff, all that bad stuff that's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Wow. So in the middle of all that, he just decided, he's like, I'm not going to ask why. Uh, I I think people always want to know why. People always have to know why things happen to them. Uh, and, And, you know, I think that just from a faith standpoint in my own life, I've just let my faith take that from me. You know, you you can't really dwell on the whys, but just know that God has a greater purpose for you. And that's been a very, that's been a challenge for me. Uh, And and I think that that's something that we need to kind of all look at. But I really, beside all that, I think that when we get to heaven, just kind of on a lighter note, I think we're going to find out the answers to some of these things. And I really hope we do. Like, I think about the most random things all the time. Like, when I get to heaven, I really hope that I get to see, like, Adam and Eve, because I really want to know if they have a belly button. Like, does everybody ever think about that? Like, super random to think about, but... Like chicken or the egg, which came first? Like they didn't have umbilical cords, so they, do they really need umbilical? And then I'm also going to, you know, I know God has like infinite wisdom. He's like numbered our, our hairs on our heads and, you know, he knew our names. Uh, but like really mosquitoes, the, like why are those even here? You know, like I suffer so much during the summer. I, I'll walk by somebody and they'll be like, man, you smell really good. Is that Versace? I'm like, no, it's, it's deep, off wood style. You know, like you got to leave it on. So silliness aside, like, you just, you got to be really careful with your whys because they can get you in a lot of trouble. Okay, so stop asking why. Number two, start asking what. That's, that's the next phase here for you. Lord, what are you, what are you trying to show me in this? What, what are you trying to teach me? Lord, what is your purpose in this situation that I'm going through? And I can tell you that when you start asking the what instead of the why, now you're sort of tuning your mind into that joy channel that I talked about because you're, you're redirecting your mind, of, you're thinking about it in a completely different way. You're thinking about that God may be showing you something powerful that doesn't really have to do with your own plans. I think that's where we get in a lot of trouble is because when things start to happen and ruin what we think we have for our lives, God's trying to tell us, no, that's not what I want for you. That's what you want for you. I have something completely different for you as well. In fact, we talked about Paul. Do you know what what God had plans for Paul. Paul thought that he was going to be a a pastor in front of thousands and thousands of people and that he was going to save people. Uh, Paul, Paul ended up writing this book, Philippians, this book of Philippians, because he was in jail. He wasn't out there preaching out to the masses like he thought he was. If he was preaching, we wouldn't have this book right now, right? He was in jail. He had tons of time on his hands and he was carrying on God's actual plan. Uh, he didn't get to do what he was called, what he thought he was called to do. He actually went to, to do what God actually did call him to do. So think about this church. Every one of your bad days is a new opportunity. It sounds weird to say that when you think about bad days, but every one of your bad days is a new opportunity. And when you discover that fact, that's when you really start to discover joy. So let's pick it up in verse 13. He says, as a result again, of me being locked up, uh, here's what I did with my new opportunity. He's going to tell us. It has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. So everything that he's looked at and everything that's been happening to him, he's like, I didn't get to preach on a stage. I just preached to this guy that I was chained to down here in this dungeon that I probably can't even see. I'm trying to get this guy saved because this is the opportunity that's in front of me. Talk about making lemonade out of lemons. Like this, Paul is like the ultimate optimist, more so than I've ever, ever seen. And it, it's just amazing. I mean, he was, he was literally having the time of his life. Verse 14 goes on and says, and because of my chains, 
Most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he's saying, like, now that everybody's hearing about what's happening to me and what I'm doing in prison, the people that aren't in prison, they're, they're just getting fired up. They just want to go out there all the more and spread the word uh, even more than they're doing. I mean, that is a great, like, total glasses full attitude. And, and I think that we can all learn a major, major lesson from that. that. That's taking a situation and says, and saying to yourself, there has to be something good in this and that there is another opportunity in this situation that I'm overlooking and that I need to find. I mean, really though, but what power is there not to think that way? Think about that. What power in this world is preventing you and, and, and me from thinking that? I'll tell you what that, that's it's right here. That's it. It's just this mental thing that we have to get over. I have a kind of a, a little funny story to outline, outline the, the opportunity. So there's this like old folk, folklore story situation, and it's about this African king, and he had this buddy of his who was like his assistant, and they did everything together. They would always go out and hang out, and I guess one day they were out uh, hunting. They were out hunting, and the, the, his friend loaded the gun for him, and the king, you know, lined up, and he went to shoot, and then something happened. The gun backfired and literally blew the king's thumb right off his hand. And his friend, super optimistic guy, he always would say, well, this is good. This is, this is good. And so when that happened, he goes, well, this is good. And the king's like, this is not good. This is bad. He threw, and so he threw his friend in jail because he was so mad about it. So a year later, uh, the king is out and he's hunting and he actually gets captured by cannibals, right? And so these cannibals have this guy stringed up. It's, I imagine it's probably over like a big pot of boiling water and they're getting ready to make king soup out of this guy. And, uh, they notice that he doesn't have a thumb. And it turns out that, that cannibals are superstitious. So they don't eat things that aren't like fully whole. So they let him go. So he, he feels bad and he goes back to his friend and he's like, man, I'm so sorry. Like, uh, this is what happened to me. And, and I, I'm just, I'm a terrible person. I shouldn't have locked you up. And the, and the guy comes out, he goes, well, this is good. And the king's like, dude, what's wrong with you? How can this be good? He's like, well, if you didn't lock me up, I probably would have been with you. So look, church, there's literally good in every situation. And you can maybe you can remember that story when you're thinking about that. And, and this is how you grow, church. This is like mature Christians would say that there is something good in everything. And that is probably one of the hardest things that we can do on a day-to-day basis. But I want you to start thinking about that. Is anybody getting anything out of today so far? Okay, good. So, so let's go on here. We're going to skip over a lot, actually. We're going to go over to Romans 8, chapter 8, and, and I think this is one of the most beautiful and powerful verses in the Bible. And it starts and it says, and we know, right? And, and we know, what do we know? What do we know, church? We know, we know what we're talking about today. We know everything that we've been talking. We know as believers, you just have to know things sometimes. You just have to believe God is going to move and is going to do something, right? And, and instead of asking why, 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 just know that God is going to get you through it and God has you there for a reason. Has anybody been in a situation where you thought maybe something was going wrong and then fast forward and then you're like, oh, I get it. God did this for me for a reason. It's, just, it's amazing when you think about that because in the moment you have your blinders on uh, and, and you don't see that. But I've seen him so many times use bad situations with people and turn them into something completely good. And again, Paul is a great example of this. So let's continue in the verse. And, and he goes on and says, and we know how. How do we know? Why? Because we've seen him do it before. That's, this is God. That in all things, yes, church, in all things, that thing that you are going through right now, in all things, 
Uh, God works for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. So if you're going through something right now, write this verse down, put it in your phone, and read it every single day, because I promise you, you're going to come out on the under end of it. You just have to know it. Uh, so now pr- let's go, we're going to go to the last principle. Uh, we, we, we know that we need to uh, stop asking why, start asking what, and then maybe one of the hardest things that we need to do uh, is we just need to change what we're looking at, and we need to refocus on what actually matters, okay? That's hard. I mean, even just saying that, that's hard, because a lot of things matter to us. Would you say that you guys have a lot of things that just matter to you if you had to list them off the top of your head? I, I have a lot of things that matter to me. But what really matters, like really, really matters, and if you think about the scope of eternity, it's probably a lot less than you think that, that it is that actually really matters. When people are, if you've been around people that are maybe at the end of their lives or, or you read stories about people that are towards the end of their lifespan, what are they worried about? They're not worried about getting their oil changed or cleaning out their junk drawer, right? They're, they're worried about spending more time with their family. They're worried about uh, memories. They're worried about time because that's running out. Uh, I, I, there's Friday, I just, I just turned 37 Friday and, and I'm already, thank you. Um, all right, happy birthday, everybody. Listen, no, I'm just kidding. But I'm at this, I'm already like, th- like I'm past like my immortal 20s where nothing could happen to me. And I'm already just, you know, very career focused and, you know, everything had to be super serious. And now all I want to do is just come home, be with my wife, be with my kids and just make good memories, right? And, and that's, what that's, that's what matters to me. Uh, so Paul says, if you want to know the secret to overcoming a bad day, you just got to refocus all the millions of things that are out there taking our attention away. You just got to focus on what really matters. And, and over the course of him, and, and here's, here's why. This is why Paul is saying this to us. Because over the course of the 10 years that his church in Philippi was, was around, over that, that decade, uh, more churches were springing up and, and, and kind of coming around the area. And some of the pastors of the, those churches weren't like great people. Their motives weren't super good. Matter of fact, some of them even started talking bad in the community about, about Paul and, and his church. And so he started getting letters Paul started getting letters from, from friends uh, that were kind of trying to stir him up about it. Like, do you guys have friends that like to kind of like throw a grenade at you and like run and see like how bad they can make things happen for you? Some like stir the pot. Well, that's what was happening with Paul. Uh, in Philippians uh, uh, verse 15, for still in the first chapter, he says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. So these guys aren't even there for the right reason. They're maybe just trying to collect a paycheck or something. Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in jail. But, but he goes on to say, but what does it matter? Like, he's basically saying, so what if that's how they are? Like, does it really matter if these people are out there and their, their intentions aren't super great? No. You know, he's come to the decision, No. Because he goes on and he says, the important thing, and here's what does matter, is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So again, back to this guy who has like a major glasses half full situation. He's like, don't get your tail feathers rubbed, you know, ruffled over this tr- trivial stuff. Uh, I need you to refocus on things that actually matter. And then he goes on and he says, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. So he's like, you guys aren't going to get me mad. Like, you can't say anything to me about this. I'm just happy that no matter what your intentions are, 
that Christ is being preached and that people are coming to know Jesus regardless of what the situation around it is. He just made a choice. Yeah, amen. That's a good place for, uh, for a round of applause there. Paul just literally made a choice. He just decided, hey, I'm just going to have the right attitude about this. And he left all the rest of it behind him. Does anybody, does anybody know anybody in their lives that's just like always super positive about everything? Like to the point where you're like kind of annoyed being around them a little bit. Like, yeah. And, and so here's my, here's my challenge for you because I'm the same way. Like I feel like I'm a pretty positive guy, but there's people that are like, I'm just like, dude, you need to just chill out but here's what I want you to do. Next time you're around that person, instead of getting like immediately annoyed with them, just kind of stop and maybe step back and wonder like, how are they like that? Like, what did they go through in their lives that maybe changed them to think that way? And I guarantee you that maybe you'll take a little bit of a different perspective on, on what really matters as well. So here's what I want you to focus on within this, guys. This was just Paul's life. Like Paul's life was just bad. Like all this bad stuff just happened to him. He, he didn't just have a random bad day. But in the midst of all that, he just decided to have a different attitude. And it got to the point with Paul that if, if the guards were going to say to him, like, hey, Paul, we're going to lock you up in jail again. He's probably going to come back and say, well, that'd be great. I, you know, I, I was chained to this guy. I, I was almost, I was like this close from getting him to, to come to know Jesus. If you put me back in, I'll probably finish and, and, and then get this guy saved. Or, you know, maybe he would say, like, you know, I was this close from right finishing Colossians. Like, if you put me back in jail, I'll, I'll, I'll have more time to do it. That, that, you know, that'll be fantastic. And I can just imagine that the guards just kind of, like, looked at each other like, this, this guy's crazy. And, okay, well, Paul, if, if jail's not going to scare you, then I'll tell you what. We're just going to kill you. You know, and, and I, can, I can imagine that Paul would say, would ya? you? Would you really do so? Would you? Because, you know, I have this problem. I have this dilemma that, that's been weighing on me. And I think that if you just killed me, you might solve the dilemma for me. And, and I'll tell you what the dilemma is here. If we go over to Philippians, uh, again, chapter 1, now we're in verse 21. He says the dilemma right here. He says, for me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So basically, he's like, if I live, I'm going to get to preach. But if you kill me, I just get to go see my father. Like, what's... What's the problem with, with either one of those things? So go ahead, just chop it off, you know, let, let's get this over with. What, but, like, here's the question, what do you do with somebody like that? Like, what do you do with somebody that everything you throw at them, they're just like, eh, okay, uh, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, nothing. There's nothing you can do with somebody like that. That's the great part about it. Paul knows that no circumstance can change his mindset, and that is a strong place to be. He says, here it is, he says, because I know Jesus there's no way that I can lose. Wow, that is huge. He says, somebody needs to hear that. Listen, church, Life Point Church, because you guys know Jesus, there is no way you can lose in any situation. Keep that in your minds. Uh, here's a verse. I'm going to show it to you. We're going to go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safe, uh, safely to his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so let me read that again. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Okay, well, are you going to rescue me or are you going to deliver me into heaven? Yes, that's the answer. Yes, you don't choose. Uh, it's both sometimes because when you know Jesus, and here's the next bullet point, when you know Jesus, you are in a win-win situation. No matter what happens, when you know Jesus, 
You're in a, in a win-win situation. There's nothing and nobody can rob you of your joy because no matter what happens, you win, right? Isn't that, that's a great place to give God praise right there for that. And that's joy, everybody. That is, that's the journey. That's the end of our journey here. Joy, everything that we just talked about, that is joy. And that is what I pray that you guys uh, grab hold of. Do not let go. Hold your death grip right on that thing and just move along with it and carry on your walk with Jesus. All right? Is that good? Everybody have a good one? Okay. So, hey, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. I know the band and the worship team usually comes up here. But uh, while I was studying for this, I came across this song. There's this really awesome Christian band, and they're called For King and Country. Anybody know that band? Yeah, they're awesome. So there's a song that they wrote, and it's actually called Joy. Uh, and so I was like, okay, we got to go out on, on this song. So hang around a little bit if you want. We're going to play this video. Worship with it. The lyrics are actually going to be on the stage or on the, on the screens. I want you to, like, really focus in on that. Stay around for as long as you want. Um, but I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for letting Nate and I speak to you today. And uh, we hope to see you guys next week as well. All right?